You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. We've been talking about prayer. And it's just like God that, uh, you know, as a leader of a church, one of the things that happens pretty frequently that you don't know about is I'll start teaching on something and then it will start happening to me. And I'm like, man, oh, I'm not going to, I got to be careful about what I teach on then, you know? But, um, but I, I feel like the Lord's been, been uh, laying on my heart perseverance from some conversations, the importance of persevering in prayer specifically uh, this week. And I've, I've talked to, and the reason is because I've just had conversations this week where people have told me about them being discouraged, uh, where they've been praying for something and it didn't happen, it didn't turn out like they wanted you know, in the history of our church, you know, Peter Oberdeck, who just passed away, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people praying for him, and he still died of cancer, you know, or, or Kristen, you know, Kettle, uh, uh, um, a number of years ago, young mom with kids, we prayed for and prayed for and fought for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and she still died of cancer, and we wonder, like, man, what's going on here? Like, how does this connect? But these stories have been coming up this week, and, and, and I talked to another person who has been with us from the start, and they said, you know, I've been in the church almost 10 years now, and the hope I used to have that I would experience more of God's power and love in my life has grown into discouragement. And I wonder if, if I left River City Church, if I just find a church that didn't believe in the gifts or didn't ex- believe in the experiences that we talk about, if I would be more normal, if I would be more comfortable there, because I've lost hope. And this is someone who's been with us for 10 years right, that love RCC. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit are true. They believe the power of God to heal is true. They've seen it happen. But in their own intimacy, in their own walk with Christ, they continue to pray, and their prayers are not being answered. And yet we have stories. There's a little boy that drowned a few weeks ago. Parents found him at the bottom of a pool, right? I mean, he was, he was dead. They bring him out of the pool, and if you find a child at the bottom of a pool that isn't breathing, it's very, very slight. I mean, usually they will have brain damage because of oxygen and all these things. And so it goes out, and we begin to pray for him. And that night, the Lord wakes me up throughout the night, and I had an assurance. I, just, I knew God was going to heal him, even though he was, he was dead on a ventilator in the hospital. And, and it was on the prayer chain, and y'all were praying for him. And the next day, I get a text that, yeah, this kid's he woke up. The next day, and, and I just checked with the person, and he's home, totally normal, fully recovered and alive. I mean, it's amazing. And we hear stories like that, and that we're like, yeah, I believe. So we, we, have, we live in this tension of like believing like, yes, that was God, that is true, that is real. You know, another family sent me a reminder of... of um, what his wife went through with all of their pregnancies and having a, you know, stillborn birth in one of them and having to be bed rest again and again and the, the miracle of each of their children. And when you see their family today, you, you would never know, you would never know what the McCarthys have been through to have their children. You would never know that their story involved miracles for each one of their children because there's so much life and they're full of life and they're healthy and they look like, well, subnormal family. They're pretty normal, except for Ed. But, um... But, you would ne- but, but we believe that God does those things, but we also live in this frustration, don't we? I mean, I know that I do. Just yesterday, I, was, I spent about 10 hours in the hospital with someone that I was praying for. Uh, you, you know, some of you know that I've been praying for someone that struggles with addiction where they relapsed, went missing, turned up. And I was totally discouraged yesterday and was with them 
for about 10 hours in the hospital and, and just praying and praying and praying and seeing nothing happen. Nothing happened. Seeing demonic stuff go on, praying and praying and praying, seeing nothing happen. You know, all the while, I'm thinking, I have to go home and write a sermon on perseverance. And Lord, so certainly you're going to like, lightning bolts going to come down, angels going to fly in and like fix things. So I say, if you persevere, I mean, I was praying and praying and praying. This person I love very much and just saw nothing happen. But what happens at the end of the day, Laura asked me, like, how do you feel? I feel, I said, I feel defeated. I feel hopeless. And that's what happens when we don't have our prayers answered, isn't it? We begin to lose hope that Jesus can do what he says he can do and that he is who he says he is, that he's the healer, the restorer, the life giver, right? Why? Because we don't see him bringing life. We don't see him bringing healing the way that we're praying for. And we become hopeless and we start to not trust God and we start to waver in our belief of his desire or his ability to really make a difference in our life. So hopeless leads to a wavering in our belief that he either can make a difference, has the power, or he wants to make a difference, has the love to make the difference. That's where we waver, right? The enemy gets, that's where he gets in and starts to discourage us. And we've all experienced this. We all have experienced this. I talk to you, I pastor you, I shepherd this flock, and this is one of the main things that comes up again and again when I meet with people. And they're discouraged, a legitimate discouragement and a hopelessness that comes in. And the result is we pull away from God, right? We pull away from God. And our hopelessness and our curiosity, our wonder, our discouragement of not experiencing what we want to experience, not seeing the healing we want to experience, we pull away from him and we start to handle and manage things in our life and our own power. That's what that picture was about. Someone came up to me and said, I have a picture of Jesus removing bandages and bringing healing. So what we begin to do is we start to bandage ourselves with working harder. We start to bandage our families by reading books. We start to bandage our work or our financial situation by working harder, working longer hours, going back to school, getting more of an education. We start to bandage our fear and our concern for our children by sending them to the best schools or getting them in the best schools or paying for them to be at the best schools, we, which is not a bad thing. We, 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 we bandage these areas of our life that we feel like God is not answering our prayers in and an effort to bring healing, to bring comfort. And we work harder and we bandage more and more and more. And so what happens is we move further and further away from trusting Jesus, relying on Jesus to bring healing, right? This is what we, we all do this. I'm not asking you, I know this. This is, a, this is a fact. This is what we see in scripture all the time. This is how the enemy gets our eyes off Jesus. And so what that picture was all about is, is Jesus unwrapping our wounds, unraveling our work to take care of ourselves, putting those bandages aside, and then bringing his hands to bring real healing. That's what Jesus wants to do. And that's what prayer does. As we learn to persevere in prayer, we learn to trust God when we don't see the results that we want to see, we don't have the experiences we want to have, we press in, we persevere, and the result is we, our hope is renewed and that Jesus comes and that he brings healing in our life in a way that we can never get it. But when we pull away, which is what the enemy wants, I mean, it's so sad, right? Like any of you that have children or any of you that are children, so that covers us all because we're all either, we all either have children or, or we are children, right? If you have children and they get hurt, or they get wounded, or something bad happens in their life, 
what's your greatest desire as a parent? That they would move towards you, right? Not that they would hide from you. And again, this is imagery. When we start to self-protect, it's imagery that goes back to the Garden of Eden when, when they hid in their brokenness. When we cover our wounds with our bandages and our efforts, that's a result of the fall of sin manifesting in our life to control our life like Adam and Eve did, okay? So this goes deep. This, the roots of this are very deep. This is why I know it's the truth, okay? But, but as a parent, we would want our children to move towards us. But, but what do they do when they make a mistake or they fall or they fail? They naturally hide, don't they? They lie. They do what Adam and Eve did. And as a child, there's something in us that becomes, as, as a child, when we do something wrong, and, we, and, and, and our, if your parents are still alive, and we don't want to tell them what's really happening in our marriage. We don't want to tell them what's really happening with their grandchildren. We're afraid to. That's sin of creation and the fall working itself up in you. Because what is the Father's greatest desire? You. His greatest desire is that we run towards him when we fail. That we would move towards him in disappointment. That we would move towards him when our prayers are not answered, when our hearts are broken, when we feel lost and we're longing for more. His desire is that we would move towards him. But we struggle to pray for another reason also. And, and, this, and this is our, these are our Pharisees. This is our, if, you're, if you think this way, you're, you're a little bit of a Pharisee. And I'm, I can, I'm, I'm one of these, okay? That's not a bad thing. Pharisees love the law. They knew theology really well. And so, uh, and, and so it, but, it, but at times, it prevented them from experiencing the truth of Jesus Christ. He said, you, you know the scriptures, you search the scriptures, you know them, but you don't know me. That's, that's a Pharisee problem, okay? So many of us that love knowledge, love to pursue knowledge, love to read the word of God, those are all good things, but they can block us from experiencing and knowing Jesus, right? And so the way it manifests in our life when it comes to prayer and perseverance is like this. We go, well, God is sovereign, so why do I need to persevere? If he is sovereign and he knows what the need is, he knows, he's heard me pray pray one time, isn't that enough? Why do I need to pray more? If God's sovereign, then why do I need to keep praying and praying and praying? And so we don't. We don't. When we justify the lack of our perseverance and pressing in with our thinking and our theology of, why, of how we think about God. Again, what happens to those people? Eventually, they also lose heart and lose hope and remove and push away and turn away from God. But if you think about that principle, in every other area of life, it doesn't apply. You never apply that. And the Bible uses imagery of an athlete. And what I've been thinking of is the imagery of an athlete. You know, Blake, just one of my sons, my third youngest son, just uh, started running cross country again, and, and, uh, and, and it was amazing watching him run, because I, he's a natural runner. He's got my Cherokee blood from chasing animals around and spearing them and stuff from my, my heritage, and uh, he has this uncanny ability to not ever practice and then go out and run, you know, swift as a deer, an antelope in the woods. But anyway, so... He, 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 is, it's his first, he hasn't run in two years. It's his first race. He's on, on this team, and, he, and, and he, he's a ninth grader, and he wins. He, he beats everyone, all the varsity runners, right? He hadn't even been practicing. He beats all the varsity runners on his team, and he almost didn't get to run because he was smart enough to the coach. He could put him on JV. I know, imagine Blake. But anyway, so anyway, so he, he gets to run, and just watching him run, people come to me, and they're like, man, he is such a natural athlete. He, he could tell he's built as a runner, 
okay? So if we apply the principle I just talked about into God's sovereignty, I would say, well, then he doesn't need to practice, does he? If he's a natural runner, he's gifted that way, God's made him that way, he doesn't need to practice. He just, he's just going to be natural. He's just, gonna, he's just gonna run and win. But he didn't win the race. He was just faster than the other slow runners on his team because they're not good athletes. <laughs> Slower runners, right? And so... And so the temptation would be to apply, if we apply that principle of God's sovereignty to an athlete, we would say, he's been gifted by God, he's natural, why does he need to practice? But what we know is, of course he needs to practice to become who God's created him to be. He needs to persevere and practice, he needs to train, he needs to run intervals, he needs to practice, week, 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 because it doesn't deny that he's gifted, that he's unique, but to become who God's created him truly to be, he has to persevere. Okay, the same thing is true with prayer. The same thing is true with prayer. In order, Christ has accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for our prayers to be answered. But in order for us to receive the answers we desire, we have to learn to persevere. It's not because the power, it's not because the, 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 the desire from God is not there. It's that we, God is wanting us to learn to persevere, to come to him again and again and again. Because more than wanting to answer our prayers, he wants us to come to him. That he loves us. He wants us to learn to come to him again and again and again. I've told my staff, I've told people that are very close to me who come to me and they say, I'm not experiencing what God wants me to experience. I'll ask them, are you, are you praying? Are you spending time with God? And they say, yes, I'm spending time with God, Aunt Lee. And my response is always the same. Then spend more time with God. Persevere. If you're, not, if you're spending time with God and not getting the answers, not receiving what you feel like God has promised you, what he's laid on your heart to experience, then spend more time with God. That's the only solution is to Persevere. In Hebrews 12, there's two places in the New Testament where this word is used. One's in Hebrews, one's in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, just after the armor of God. In the first place, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay off aside. This is one of those sports analogies. Let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance or perseverance. That's the Greek word right there, okay? The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, okay? Now this word right here, um, it means, um, it, it doesn't mean like long-suffering in relationship. So it doesn't mean like, oh man, that person really bugs me, really drives me, really drains me. I just need to hang in them. And That's not what this word is about. There's another word for that, but this isn't it. This word specifically has to do with, um, refers to the quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb, or succumb under trial. So this word is talking about run the race in a way that reflects your character so that your character demonstrates that you don't give up when it gets tough. Whenever the world is, and it talks about like bearing up underneath. It's kind of the language it uses here. Whenever the world's coming down on you, the trials are coming down on you, you don't see the answers of, you don't, your prayers aren't being answered, you're tired, you're, ex, you're exhausted from the trials of this world. What, what, what the Hebrew writer is saying here to us is, is persevere. Stand up, strengthen yourself, and run with a character towards 
Christ. How do we do that? By keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. The first thing the enemy does when he takes or he creates a hopelessness in us is our eyes come off Jesus and onto ourselves, right? And we start to rely on ourselves and bandage ourselves. The Hebrew writer says, run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus. Who has run the race? He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross so that we would not lose hope. That we, and later on in this, in this passage, it talks about strengthen your arms, strengthen your knees, and run this race and persevere through this race. And, it's a t- and, 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 this, and this word is tied to hope. Where is your hope? You're able to persevere because of where your hope is. And it says, fix your eyes looking to Jesus. Look to Jesus. That's where your hope has to be. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says, we give thanks. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you. This is beginning of the prayer. Um, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, one, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, the, the language there of hope right there, steadfastness of hope, is the same word that's used in this Hebrews passage. And so what, what, what Paul's trying to teach us is that if we want to r- run the race that God's called us to run, we're going to feel the burden and the weight and the disappointment of living on this side of heaven. But to run always and, and persevere with our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. Because then you'll be able to stand firm and run the race that he's called you to run. It's like this. And, and, and as we do this, as we learn to come to Christ, and we do it a few times, regardless of whether the prayers are answered or not, we're coming to Jesus, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our hope is in Jesus, we begin to build confidence that this is the right way forward. And I was thinking of an analogy of what this is like. It's like this. This is exactly what it's like. It's football season. It's a football analogy. It's like either, it's like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady with, with, with the football with less than two minutes left in the game. You, you know that they're going to score, right? You know, like you're ter- if, 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 you're, if your team is playing Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or maybe Aaron Rodgers Blake Bortles, you know, you never know. But Blake hasn't earned our trust yet, has he? He hasn't earned it. But those three other mothers, they, they can do it. They get, they get it done. They will get it done. And if your team is opposing them, you're terrified when they get the ball with two minutes or one minute and they have to move the ball down the field. Why? Because they've done it so many times. You've seen them do it again and again and again and again. So you trust that they're going to do it. You have hope. And so you're watching the game. You're like, oh, Peyton Manning's going to get the ball. I know we're going to lose. Keep the ball away from Brady. Break his ankles. You know, I mean, you don't want him to have the ball because you know he's proven, he's proven that he's reliable and that he will score. But the reason he's proven and that you trust him is because you've seen him do it again and again and again and again. If you're not spending time with Jesus and you're not in intimacy with Jesus and you're not experiencing Jesus bring transformation and life to you again and again and again, you're going to have a hard time trusting him. You're going to have a hard time handing him the ball. When it's first and goal, fourth down, and you're in a life situation where you need to score, where you need him to come through, you're going to doubt. You're going to doubt. And you're going to try to run the ball instead of him. It's our nature. It's what Adam and Eve did. And you don't get to that situation in life and trust him unless you've been trusting him.
He has to be the object of our hope when we pray. So we don't allow the trials and the circumstances of the game, of the life that we see unfolding, the disappointment of the unanswered prayers to be our hope. What we see is not what we believe, but we believe in what we don't see. We believe that Jesus is answering our prayer. We believe that the Holy Spirit always does come. The second place perseverance is used is in Ephesians six eighteen and 20. It says this, Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Be awake. Be aware. Keep alert. With perseverance, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This word perseverance here means to devote oneself to keep on to persist in. To devote oneself to keep on to persist in. I'm reading this book on prayer. There's a minister, and he got, prayed, he got asked to go pray for this girl that was in a coma, She'd been in a coma for a long time. He went and prayed for her, right? And, 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 and the person who got him to pray said, I knew that if I got you to go once, you would keep coming back. And that's what he did. He came back and he prayed for her three hours, two to three hours every week for a year. That's perseverance. Persisting in, continuing on, trusting that God's gonna heal. The person was brain dead, in a coma for a year. And after a year, God healed her. And he felt, he felt God and knew God was healing her along the way. Could you imagine praying for someone for a year in a hospital room that's in a coma? That's perseverance. That's pressing on. But if you knew that it was possible, you'd do it, wouldn't you? But you don't do it because you think maybe it's not possible or maybe God doesn't want to. Perseverance, pressing in, moving forward, even when we don't see the results we want, trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, and he can do what he's called us to pray for. The best example of Jesus, I'm, just, I'm not going to read this because we're going on the time, is when Jesus says, they say, oh, this is what you should pray like. How should you pray? And he gives us this parable. He goes, there's this wicked judge who doesn't fear God and hates man. That's how he begins it. This son of a, this guy. That's how he, okay, there's this guy. This son of a, and then he stop, you know, and it's like paints this picture of this evil person who's a judge. And he says, there's a woman who wants justice. And so she goes to him and doesn't get justice. And she goes to him, doesn't get justice. She goes to him, doesn't get justice. Goes to him, and she keeps going to him. And he's giving us an analogy of how we should pray and persevere. How we should pray. What does this look like? And what happens? The judge is like, son of a, I can't believe that lady. She's driving me cray cray. I'm, I don't fear God. I don't like her. I don't want to give her justice, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm just tired of her bugging me. Her perseverance has worn me down to the point where I'm going to just answer her and give her justice. And Jesus says, if an evil man, an evil judge will do that, how much more will our loving father give us the answers to our prayers as we persist and come to him and ask. But Jesus' model, how should you pray? It's not only, we love to quote this, hallowed be your name on earth as it, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, I'll pray one time for heaven to come to earth. Heaven on earth, whatever, I say that backwards. I'll, so I'll pray one time, but that's not the only place Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, how should you pray? You should persevere. You should persist. You should go again and again and again and again and again expecting and knowing that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. 
right? I mean, that's, that's Jesus is showing us how to model this. And yet we still struggle. We still struggle. And we wonder if Jesus really is good. How can I really trust him with what's most precious to me in my life? And this is how we know we can put our hope in him. And I don't have time to read all the scripture about it, but I mentioned it in communion. It's because when Jesus was tested, he persevered. When Jesus was being spit on, he persevered, he persisted. When Jesus was being beaten, he persevered and he persisted. When Jesus was being whipped, when Jesus was being mocked, when Jesus was being kicked, when Jesus was being made fun of, he persevered. He persisted. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane before all of that happened, and he asked the disciples, just stay awake while I go pray, and it says that he went and prayed, and it says that he persevered in prayer. He pressed in and prayed steadfastly to the point that he bled when he asked the Father to take the cup. But the Father said, no, this is the way. Jesus persevered. And then when he was on the cross, at the end of his life, when he knew he was going to die, he persevered. He persevered. He demonstrates, you can put your hope in me because I've died to give you hope in me. You can place your hope in me, Antley, because I persevered to the point of death to give you hope in me. He is the only one who has been faithful, who has persevered, who has persisted to the point of death so that we could have life. How do you know that he can be trusted? Because he died for you. How do you know that he loves you even when he doesn't answer your prayers the way that you want him to answer? Because he died for you. Last night, when I got home from the hospital, um, I was finishing my talk, and, uh, and I was really discouraged. I'd persevered, right? I'm praying. I mean, there was demonic stuff going on with this person. Uh, They're vomiting everywhere. They're going through withdrawal. I was with them when they, when they first went into the hospital, and their blood alcohol level was so high that they said it would have killed most people. And 10 hours later, whenever I left the hospital with them to take them to a, a detox place, they were still drunk 10 hours later. Couldn't drive. I mean, that's how, and I was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, praying for the spirit to move, praying for, you know, praying in tongues, praying in everywhere. I knew how I was standing on my head, working around praying. I was doing dances and stuff in the lobby. You know, I was praying everywhere I knew how to pray, right? And I felt nothing. I saw nothing. It felt, I felt defeated is what I felt like when I went home. And I'm writing this sermon. And in the middle of writing the sermon, I get these, I start to feel this tremendous chest pain, like this, this, like, like massive pain in my chest, like I've never felt before. And I thought, what in the world? I'm not going to have to preach tomorrow. I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> All this for nothing. it. And so I feel this, like this pain in my heart. So I'm like, I stand up. I'm like, well, maybe I just need to stretch. You know, so I'm stretching. I have this roller. And I was like, well, I know I'm not having a heart attack because I'm like fit as a fiddle. Like I have CrossFit, baby, you know? It's not my heart. What's going on here? And, and this pain, it keeps coming and coming. I'm walking around. Laura's asleep, and I'm worried 
I'm like, oh, I just want to fall over and not be like, you know, hit the button that says, help me, I can't get up, because I don't have one of those, right? And so Cole's up, still studying. I'm like, Cole, just FYI, I mean, I'm having these pains and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I'm pretty sure it's not a heart attack, right? And so I lay down on the floor of my bedroom, right? This is a true story. Last night, I lay down on the floor of my bedroom, and I feel the Lord calling me to pray again, and I'm pissed. And I say out loud, in the name of Jesus, I command all evil to leave now. In the name of Jesus, I command all evil to leave. And the pain left. Pain went away. And I stopped praying, and the pain came back. And I, I prayed more, and the pain would leave. And I'd get up, and the pain would come back. I'd lay down, and I'd pray, and the pain would leave. And I just prayed and prayed. Then I said, come, Holy Spirit, now fill me with your love, with your life, and with your hope. Restore me with, remind, thank you for reminding me of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. And the pain went away and it hasn't come back and I finished the sermon and here we are. At the end of Jesus' crucifixion, this is what happens when we persevere. I tell you that story, some of your, your hope is renewed, right? Well, the centurion sees Jesus die and at the end he says, what has taken place, he praised God saying, he saw what has taken place, certainly this is the son of man. The world needs hope, people. He needs, and the world will find hope as we find our hope in Jesus. The only way the world will find hope is in, when we find our hope in Jesus. Even when we're discouraged, even when we don't find the answers we want, even when the people we love die, even when, when, when whatever happens, the world will only find hope, will only look to Jesus, will only know he's the son of God when we persevere and show them that that, that he is who our hope is in. And so let's persevere. And show the world who Jesus really is. And in doing so, you will find, you will find a savior that stayed on the cross and persevered so that you can place your hope in him. Let's stand.